The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Hi, everybody. This is pro wrestling legend Jim Cornette, and you're listening to The Rough House. The opinions expressed in the Rough House podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the WWE, Lucha Underground, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, GFW, are they even still a thing? MCW Pro Wrestling, CZW, Nads Flappy Sack, Marvel Studios, Kellogg's, Frisky's Cat Food, Ted Turner, Jameson Irish Whiskey, Fruit of the Loom, Hershey's, Samsung, Amblin Entertainment, Groundskeeper Willie, or the cast and crew of The Walking Dead. Since the dawn of mankind, those in professional wrestling have turned to the Pro Wrestling Podcast to gain insight into how to do their jobs, how to create angles, develop new characters, and create fiery feuds with which to capture an audience's attention. What better group of individuals than basement dwellers on internet-purchased microphones to guide the hand of a multi-million dollar industry? We're proud to present one such podcast, courtesy of the Realm Network, here at the Rough House, where black people and white people watch wrestling. And expanding people, too. And all people. We're rolling. That's it. Hi, everybody. Hello. Welcome to another uh, edition of the Rough House Podcast special reunion show edition. Our our good buddy, our our good brother, our brother brother who's farting already. Justin Schlegel is back, everybody, for today. Hi. For today. And welcome to the Rough House (laughs) 7.8. (laughs) (laughs) Seven point eight. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly feels that way. I'm Christoph, and Marty's here as Hi. well. We got the uh, the whole band back together because it was a uh, a massive week in the world of pro wrestling, and the three of us, uh, albeit in different sections, uh, were live for the premiere episode of AEW Dynamite, which is what this will mostly focus on, uh, as Justin's time uh, is very limited with him being very important and special and having things to do. Oh, yeah, I got a big soccer game I've got to get to today. So <laughs> it is approximately 1123 right now. So by the time noon comes around, someone's going to walk in with their witch fingers and pull the cable <laughs> right out of this bitch. So nothing has changed. But I can promise since we are having a reunion and talking about NXT and talking about Fox on uh, SmackDown on Fox and AEW, no meltdowns, but... <laughs> Who's to say we can't do a holiday special where Justin just loses his mind for an hour in exchange for Patreon fucking subscriptions, you pricks. Because <laughs> I still have email notifications from the Patreon. And I think you need to step it the fuck up, okay? Holidays are coming. My boys are looking to take care of their significant others and families. And you can't do that unless we bleed you dry financially, assholes. So give Marty and Chris, money. I love you. Yeah, I, uh, I, I very much missed this. <laughs> God damn it! Just still lurching off my boys, just fucking vampire fangs of the wrestling fanatics out there that are just draining them dry. So please give them uh. your money the same way I gave Cody Rhodes, Khan, the Bucks, and Omega my money mm-hmm. to attend Dynamite. At the Capital One Arena live. And by that, I right mean there. my ticket situation was a complete clusterfuck, <laughs> and I was barely able to get in until a very sweet man, who I believe his name was Scuzz, 
sold me tickets in an alley for three times the face value. So, shit. Oh, man. Uh, you should have hopped buddy. on StubHub. I saw, like, like get-in prices, like, nine bucks the day of the show. Yeah, I didn't do that because I went <laughs> to Clyde's next door prior, pre-gamed hard as fuck, and said, financial responsibility be damned. This guy over here with not a gold tooth but a gold eye, like oh. a goddamn James Bond villain, uh, is luring me into an alleyway behind the, um, what's that area near the Capital One Center? Chinatown? Not Chinatown. China. China, Chinatown, uh, yeah, whatever, China. Gallery Place. Yes, Gallery yes. Place. Yes, yes, yes. He lured me near a recycling dumpster and a grease trap and sold me his tickets. So I bought them, got them, and went inside. So um, where, does, where do you guys want to start with this? This well, is your show. You tell let's me. Let's take initial thoughts of when you walked in and saw the arena set up because we're kind of kind of going to dissect everything from every angle here so initial thoughts when you walked in and sat down and looked around and took everything in what were your thoughts of the production thank fuck this wasn't royal farms arena (laughs) it's the world's largest just cement methadone shit hut i really realized that just 45 minutes south we have just the nicest goddamn arena you possibly could and then up where we live we essentially have the uh, last 30 minutes of Escape from New York where Snake Plissken has to fight Luna Vachon's father inside of an old <laughs> boxing ring while people masturbate and throw spears into the ring. That's Royal Farms. It was beautiful. It was large. Yeah. It looked professional. And I guess uh, they are going to stick with the chandelier. The yeah, chandelier yeah, yeah. entrance seems like that is going to be their – Back in the day, SmackDown fist through the screen, the Mm -hmm. oval screen, the raw set. They are going to stick with the chandelier, which I like. I I genuinely do. And being that I'm a little bit old school, I really like the separate heel face entrance. It looks like they're going to stick with. They're going to have a bad guy entrance, a good guy entrance, and a special in the center between them both special attraction entrance, which Cody used at the very beginning of the night. Yeah, uh, the, I, I I agree that the setup is really nice. Uh, also, uh, the seats were probably the most comfortable I've ever sat in at any arena. Uh, just just pointing that out. Although weirdly enough, uh, Chris, I pointed this out to you uh, when we got to the arena. Someone does not pay for Spotify, whether it's from the uh, Capital One Arena side or the AEW side. They're blasted someone's playlist before the show. It was filled with ads to upgrade to Spotify Premium. Which, <laughs> if if that was the cons, I know how. How much money they're put out for AEW? They could throw the ten bucks right at it. They sold more than enough T-shirts. I'm just saying, you know, throw the ten bucks out there, guys. That's all you got to do. Agreed. And I like the way the arena was set up as well. It was familiar enough to have like you know uh, a feel of like a big WWE show or something like that, but unique enough in like you mentioned the chandelier, the entranceways, also. The color scheme that they chose for Dynamite is just really refreshing. I mean, you're used to like, you know, either blue for SmackDown or red for Raw or, you know, chrome for Impact or, you know, whatever it is. But the fact that they use these big color splashes for the the intro, which looks great with all the, you know, um, just color paint, whatever flying in the air. Very color run 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have around the uh, the rim of the arena, the, the TNT AEW logo with the bright colors. It just pops and it's something it's something different and it's refreshing. Um, I also really enjoy the chandelier because it is unique. It's not, you know, just a big screen or something like that. And I like the fact that they had um, screens up by on either side of the main stage where you could see uh, the feed of what was going on and, and, and things like that. So I, I didn't feel like I missed anything aside from the commentary, obviously, being at the live show, which is sometimes something you miss when going to a live wrestling show. And I'm glad you brought up the color scheme because I think it was symbolic also. If you think about sure. Raw, Red, SmackDown, Blue, is all the you know aforementioned colors you pointed out, the yellow and black of NXT, yeah. is that one of the things that Cody and company have been trying to do is really make this a very hyper-inclusive brand from gay wrestlers, transgender wrestlers, younger wrestlers, older wrestlers, veterans, people you've never heard of, people that have jumped ship, that they're really trying to make this wrestling for everybody. I think it was a symbolic gesture to have a rainbow color yeah. scheme as yeah. to where Raw and SmackDown and others have a very set in stone. This is what our color is. So that it's going to be, I don't want to call it like a pride flag, but one of the things that I thought when I saw that was this was reminiscent of sort of like an LGBTQ statement with a rainbow color scheme. I didn't think, you know, hey, this is just going to be, you know, gay wrestling or lesbian <laughs> wrestling or whatever. Right. I'm thinking this, that color scheme screamed, this is for everyone right which was very curious when you got a good look at the crowd <laughs> which wasn't everyone yeah, yeah it was you me and marty cloned about eighteen thousand times yeah that is one I, thing marty i want to get your thoughts on if you were there um yeah. this is a strange crowd yes there were no families next to no women yeah. It was very white and neckbeard. Yes. Very yes. white and neckbeard. If, which if a I, bomb... I'm going to be curious to see how that's going to do when they maybe float this thing to the middle of the country a little right. bit more. Yeah. But if, if a bomb went off, basically cargo shorts would never be sold again. Like that, Ever. That, that's, they would run out of cargo all... shorts. That's yeah, all it was. And, and I personally attacked me. Why are you attacking <laughs> me? You're attacking <laughs> This man. Now, you know what else is something I, I, I heard that was interesting? Yeah. This was from a, a buddy of mine behind the scenes, a gentleman that you and I know, Chris. I, I don't want to give up the goose. Uh, hey, right there. Okay. I'll say double J. That there's a, there's a strange issue. that I, did, I didn't hear about this. I did not know this. This was told to me. That they're talking about the success of this thing. Is it going to be mm -hmm. long term? Is it going to be viable? Is it going to be able to take on NXT or other brands or things like that? that I guess this happened at all in, all out, double or nothing. I was not there, so someone else needs to corroborate this with me. Marty, did you get up at any point to get a beer? Uh, I got up briefly, yeah, yeah. Okay, but you got to probably go to the bathroom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but did you come back with a rack of beers, a handful of chicken tenders? No, no you didn't? No. No one else did. Zero beer line. I there got up twice. No beer line. Nope. Huh. There's a I big concession. Around. I was able to walk around. The yeah. merchandise table, plenty of. There's apparently a big concession issue huh. with these AEW shows that it might prove to be a hindrance to them. When you go to a comedy club, they don't give a fuck about ticket prices. They care to food drink and minimum. drink. When you go no to a movie theater, they're not making money on the tickets. It's popcorn, candy, soda. Yeah. So these arenas, the ticket price gets you in. The arenas make money and want people back based on concessions. 
So when they have monster trucks or bull riding or whatever else, who gives a shit what the people in there look like, what the ticket price is? They're running out of Bud Light. They're running out of chicken tenders. They're running out of seltzers and mixed drinks and popcorn. Not the case. Not Mm. the case at all with this thing. This is an audience that attends but doesn't buy. And that might prove to be an issue with venues where that is where they make their money. Do you want a WWE back that might have put 12,000 in there, but they bought all the beers versus an AEW that put in 15, 16, 17,000. I don't know the official number, Yeah, but everyone sort of just sat on their ass, watched and left. That that's really interesting. Just from my own experience doing shows, you know, the shows I run maybe aren't the most attended, but what we hear consistently is, they're drinkers. They're not a pain in the ass to deal with. They tip really well. So the venue is a lot more akin to, to bringing us back because of that. I wonder how that will affect their ability to negotiate better deals for venues and so on as touring grows because, you know, they've they've got a weekly show now. They got to talk to arenas every single week, week in and week out and say, hey, yeah. we want to come in. We want to bring in so many people. I'm sure the question is, well, how do your beer sales do? How do you your concession yeah. sales the do? The venue that they want to get is like, okay, cool. Are we going to sell our product here? Great, it's packed. But yeah. if no one's in the concourse buying anything other than um, an Omega shirt or a Young yeah. Buck shirt yeah. or a mock belt and no one's going over to the chicken tender area, I got up because I am – at this point, it's been a while since we've all talked. It's not functional. Full-blown alcoholism. It's a stitch. <laughs> it is Nick Cage leaving Las Vegas. I'm owning it trying to kill myself via Tito's. And every time I got up, I went up, I got a rack of beers, came back, pounded them, went back. I didn't wait in a line once. And I found it to be very odd from going to Raws and Smackdowns and pay-per-views in town or even Shogun fights, smaller ones. And to your point, Marty, about um, some of your shows that you do with, uh, you know, Art Fight, I'll I'll pull back the curtain on something I do. I do this Friday night bit at the casino. Right. They wanted me to come in there not because I'm just putting on a top quality entertaining program. Man, oh man, what an interesting fact about Seether. No one gives a fuck. (laughs) The audience that was in there prior to my show taking that place over on Friday nights, there'd be 70 people in there dancing, boot scooting, waters and free pretzels, waters and free pretzels. I'm in there. 70 has dwindled to 18 or 19. Everyone's drinking. Everyone's buying food. They don't give a shit. There could be 100 people in there. They don't care how good it looks. Is the bartender making money? Is the restaurant turning out orders? And if what this gentleman told me is true about prior AEW shows, it's going to be an interesting hurdle to try and overcome for them. How do you thank your audience for, oh, this is great, and Cody gives one of those amazing speeches that just fills you with passion as a fan, and hashtag I'm with AEW, and I am. Do you guys fucking mind going out there and buying a rum and coke? <laughs> because the Capital One Arena is probably going to tell us to go fuck ourselves next time. We're going to be at Dewburns, all right? Yeah, We're just yeah, going to yeah. be done with okay. Skittles and Fritos. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's, that is that is one one of the few knocks I'll give that night as mm-hmm. far as an, a hurdle it might take to overcome. Right, and that is something that we'll uh, be keeping a close eye on going forward as they as they tour along. Next week, I think, is in Boston, so we'll see how it goes up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, okay, well, let's let's get into the action here. So we had a dark match. We had uh, Darby Allen and Shima have a match uh, to kind of warm the crowd up. And um, any initial thoughts on that? I thought I'm going to full disclosure. Fun. I got in and got sat because of my ticket yeah, situation. Yeah 
right as that as the dark matches ended. I got in there okay. right when Cody and Sammy Guevara began. I, I think it was um, Roberts doing the countdown. Yeah, That's okay. when I, I put my ass right in the seat. That was it. Yeah. All right, well, I'll jump in there because I just wanted to ask you. I am not a Justin Roberts fan. I find him very fucking annoying, and I don't really his voice. Yeah, and I really, I that was one of my problems with the whole situation. I just hate his his like the way he draws things out, his stupid voice. Yeah, it's, it's a, he doesn't it's a serious do bar voice. Yeah. It is. It is. You have any thoughts on that, uh, Justin? Um, you know what? I think I'm indifferent towards him. Honestly, I, um, hey, Chris, I, I'm, I'm going to have you reach in your pants in a second. I am a, uh, I'm a Melissa Santos guy. All oh, right. Yeah. I, I <laughs> appreciate, uh, Melissa Santos. I, uh, there you Wolverine go. Shirt oh right my God. Swolverine. <laughs> I got, I, I got used to her. I enjoyed her from the time in Lucha. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely did. Uh, Lillian Garcia. I enjoyed, uh, he doesn't. He. I will say this: a compliment. He doesn't offend me at all. N- nothing about him made me roll my eyes. Yeah. yeah. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. It's just not for me. I'm not a not a huge fan. Gotcha. So well, uh, I'll tell you what did though. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll give you another knock. Again, there's going to be very few. I, I don't want to come across as crass at this product. Um, Excalibur's got to go. Excalibur. Really? Got to go. Excalibur. Did you watch the television broadcast back? Yeah. Yeah. I, He's I, fucking horrific. Wow. Horrific. It is. It's like having the Orioles, the Red Sox, and a couple of kids from a local youth league <laughs> all in a fucking three-way up there. It is He is so out of play. I think that gimmick is so fucking stupid. His oh, nose is smashed in. He sounds like he's got a cold. He definitely sounds like a man that realizes he's standing next to two legends. It'd be like, what? Justin, we're going to do a show tonight. It's you, Burr, and Chappelle. I'm like, I'm fucking out. I'm right. not performing. Let these guys go. Well, that's the thing. I mean, he's thrown into the situation with two legends, so you know yeah. he has to Throw find. Him out. Well, no, no, you got, you give him, give him a chance. Give him a chance to find uh, how his voice works with those two. Because with each show of AEW has had, it's been pretty much a different crew. Um, so now this is the dynamite crew. This is the play-by-play and color crew. Let him, let him find a groove. I mean, obviously, both Excalibur and uh, Tony Schiavone did a good job of letting Jr. take the ball and and you know um, run the broadcast, be the point guy. You know, the you on the morning show. You're driving the bus. You're directing the ship sort of thing. And then those guys chimed in where they did. But I think Excalibur, you know, he's obviously doesn't have the experience level as those two when it's going to come off that way. But he needs, you know, he needs to find his voice. I particularly love the the Lucha gimmick uh, on, a, on a commentator. I think it's great. I think um, it's so fucking corn. OK, let me to, to counterpoint that you and I worked in a pretty major market yeah. um, in, in radio when we were doing radio together. You don't learn to do radio in Baltimore. You get good elsewhere, and then you get to do it in a major market. Is he that why I be- failed? Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a Patreon episode if you want to get behind the scenes with that. He doesn't – I don't think this is the thing for him to get good in. If he's going to – if they decide to run some house shows, if they want to do some dark matches, some of the post-televised stuff to get his legs under him, this ain't the venue for him to get good. You need to be good and start good. Because if you're an outsider, you're like, uh, you, did you hear my interview with Cody that yes, I did yeah. with Cody and Brandy? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. talks about the, um, what was the name of the fan base that he gave that disappeared? The Returners. The Returners. The Returners. Yes. I'm a returner. I haven't watched wrestling since WCW versus WWF. And oh my God, that's Giovanni. Oh my God, that's Jim Ross. Who the fuck is this guy who... <laughs> 
is stuttering over himself, seems unsure. The mask is smashing his nose in. He literally doesn't look like he knows where to stand sometimes. This this is not the place to get his legs under him. They got to do that somewhere else and then bring him back in. He might be fine. But as far as it's time to break out the big guns, it's time to take on the Fed. You don't, you don't, don't do that. Like they got like a, a full compliment to them. Thank Christ Marvez is off. Thank yeah. Christ he is not yeah. a part of this thing. Because that he was horrific. When it was Marvez, JR, and Excalibur, you looked like JR wanted to put a fucking knife across his throat. Because <laughs> he's standing between these two goofballs. So when they brought in Shivani, I'm like, all right, there we go. And then I see Excalibur standing there, and it's so out of place. It's not like diverse. There's diversity, and then there's out of place. Like the the Jurassic Express. That's diverse. That's all over the place. You got a fucking dinosaur. You got Luke Perry's kid. And you got this other guy that should just be used as like a final fight weapon. They just pick him up and swing <laughs> him up. That's fun. That's diverse. Yeah. Excalibur seems out of place for now. Hmm. Okay. Marty, I know you you listen to a lot of Excalibur's work at PWG over yeah, the years. Yeah, yeah, I I really enjoy the guy, and I've really enjoyed him to this point. I can say though, to to kind of uh, align myself a bit with Justin's point, because I I've really enjoyed Excalibur's work on the prior AEW shows. Uh, with with the combination of Jr. and Shivani, it was very much that like NWA WCW feel, and then you have this guy who for the most part, is a indie commentator. So it was definitely odd man out for that show. Um, it was not what I would call his A1 best performance. I will say I thought Shivani was having the time of his life. Like there was a point in the show where he called MJF a little prick. And I was just like, yeah. oh, okay. They're going to earn that TV 14 just on Tony Shivani. There we go. Works for me. Didn't Jr. say something about bullshit or? or shit oh yeah, yeah, or yeah. That's right. That's right. Jr. Also did, in there. Did the, so, someone also you know. comment on that. One of the wrestlers. Who was it? Was it on? Um, it of the was best uh, Chucky T. He said Chucky T. He's like, oh my now. god, we can say shit on this show. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. He said no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty great. That was no. pretty great. So with the the concession stuff out of the way, yeah. and the Excalibur stuff out of the way, yeah. I'm I'm gonna have trouble finding something else about this show that I was like, ugh, not great. Beyond that, man, I, I thought it was a superb product. Yeah, and kicking off with the the match that kicked off the show, Cody and Sammy Guevara. I mean, Cody got a king's welcome. Yeah, uh, such a huge pop. One probably one of the top two pops of the night between that and Riho winning the uh, the women's title, which we'll get into in a second. But mm-hmm. uh, but but Cody, you know, was was just living his best life at that point. You could see it on his face. Yeah, he was he was just loving it. And then <clears throat> he had the young upstar Sammy Guevara come out. I think the build up to it that they did with the um the pre-record and you know kind of telling the story of the match in a very mma or boxing type uh sort of feel to it and then you have this kid who of course you know a couple of us knew from lucha underground but majority of the people don't know who he is but he goes out there and just goes balls out and him and cody put on a stellar opening match that really got the crowd going and was was really fun yeah, I, I I agree wholeheartedly with that. That that is exactly the type of match AEW needed to kick off the show. You have a name that you might know, a name that you don't know, 
and you just let them go out and show what they can do. It it, it really sort of set the standard of what AEW is going to be a a sports based product. A uh, a product with uh, you know some innovation in the ring, some styles yeah. that you're maybe not accustomed to, but also you know there there is that that beating heart of what used to be an NWA, it used to be WCW, right there. I mean, honest to God, there were moments in that match and throughout the show, it felt like oh, this is what Nitro would have been if it continued on up until you know the modern era and that to me is like the the highest compliment i can pay to that show it felt like yes we're on tnt for the first time in almost 20 years but this felt like it was a time warp oh my god the monday night wars are back and alive yeah and cody's a really good guy in there that can kind of bridge the gap between the old old style and like the newer style Uh, you know he can work both and really gets gets it going really well um so after that we had mjf uh come out do a big uh promo running down the crowd which is always a 10 keep giving that guy a live mic and he'll be you know one of the most over heels in in the business um with brandon cutler uh i couldn't tell whether brandon cutler really hurt his knee and they jumped to the finish or if it was just part of how it was supposed to go the whole yeah, way that was a strange match that was um that was a match i was looking forward to because i'm absolutely in love with mjf i think he's great and i think brandon cutler's really got himself a nice little role to be the curtis axel of aew <laughs> uh he's gonna be yeah you're, you're looking at the bo dallas the heath slater of aew right, right there right for the perfect um, night's sleep Jeez, yes curtis axel <laughs> yeah exactly um and that match ended abruptly. I saw the, like the, the move where he jumped off the top rope. He landed. He grabbed his knee. He gets rolled into that submission, and it's over. He taps out. But then I watched him walk to the back, and he just seemed to be as spry and as upright. And I'm pretty sure he even gave somebody like a thumbs up okay. where I was like, okay, well, I get if you hurt yourself in that moment. But it seemed very, very abrupt. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was a time thing, if it was a, hey, we can't have what happened way back in the day with All In, where the Bucks don't get any time at the end because right. you know we're doing this for TV. So MJF, this is just going to be basically a spotlight for you and your promo ability. Because right. outside of Jericho, he was really the only one that got a live mic to get in there and kind of walk his opponent down prior to the match. So... I'm going to chalk it up as that. This was not about a match. This was about yeah. establishing MJF as this righteous prick, which if that what it was for, then they did a great job. Couldn't agree yeah. more. Yeah. One of the things that kind of, you know, didn't seem to, 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 to knock out of the park was the bit with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. When, when, when I was there, I enjoyed it live, but watching it back on TV didn't really translate as well. I think, um, I enjoyed seeing them there and it was fun, but you know, uh, Jack Evans, who, whom I love and Mm -hmm. is, is a great dickhead, um, you know, did his best. It just didn't seem like the execution of it. Just, it seemed like a waste of time on the TV show. Do you guys agree? Do you have a different take? Uh, yeah, uh, I, when I went back and watched it, I think the thing that was most confusing was the commentators didn't explain who Evans and Angelico were. They didn't right. really explain, you know, they have yet to win a match. They didn't really explain that they have an issue with private party. It just was, oh, hey, Kevin Smith's here. That's interesting. Yeah. And here's these two guys who are wearing neon green. And then here's not, not quite the street profits. And there's a tag tournament coming up. Look at this graphic. Like it, it, it felt very disconnected. It did feel like it was stumbling over itself. A couple of things here is Angelico doing the, um, Connor McGregor walk. 
What is that walk he's doing now? I don't he's know. He's doing I'm swinging a big dick walk when he's. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure what he's going for there. Also, cut that fucking hair. Come on, you're not a skater from 1987. Then it's heat though. He's a heel. Come on, you're supposed to hate him. Yeah, but I just look at him and go, uh, <laughs> no. I want to hate him. He's going to the cube, man. Nice. I want him to look nice at the same time. I want you to beat up a handsome boy. I'm like, oh, I just want to take that guy out to great clips and drop 20 on him. <laughs> also, I, this is going to sound terrible. God, I miss fat uh, Kevin Smith. I think he looks fucking so bad these days. Yeah. Looks, it's uh, weird. I got an argument with somebody at work. Like, oh, I think he looks great. He's all thin. Remember thin Jonah Ray? Looks fucking, or Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill, yeah. Awful. <laughs> awful. No, no, no. He doesn't, doesn't look good. Doesn't look good at all. And, they I'm happy bought. he's healthy. Great. I miss him when he was fat. And Jason Muse's teeth, that shit's aftermarket, right? Those are not stock. Yes. Those are yes. all new teeth, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, they just don't look good. They the Real same ball. way everybody loves giving like actresses shit for getting a thousand uh surgical procedures done. Jay and Silent Bob are looking like straight shit these days. So who knows what their new films will be like. Fun pop culture presence to have there. But yes, uh, I get why they did it. They need to seem plugged into something that is larger than just AEW because AEW very – it very much can be an echo chamber. AEW fans love AEW and AEW loves AEW fans we got to get somebody outside of it. We got to bring in pop culture. We got to bring yeah. in rappers and actresses. We've got to do the Vince McMahon, Cindy Lauper, Aretha Franklin, right. Jeremy Piven uh, bit where you bring in people from outside. I get that. Right. Um, but yeah, that segment felt a little strange. And I felt like it did a disservice to Private Party, who I think could be one of their best fun upcoming tag teams, where one of them is definitely way better than the other. Yeah, Yeah, we we were having our jokes uh, at at the seats, you know, picking which one was not Montez Ford and which one was was, uh, not Angelo Dawkins, um, because they're essentially the Street Profits. But that's okay. They're doing their own thing, and it's good. One of the things about the the Kevin Smith thing is that, to me, live, it didn't seem – it seemed like that was something just live for us. I didn't know that was going out on the broadcast yeah and and that's kind of a, a compliment a backhanded compliment that i can pay to the aew show is that i couldn't tell if and when commercial breaks took place because the action in the ring when there was a match it didn't really slow down into a rest hold sort of thing like yeah. um cody and sammy and riho and nyla things like that it seemed like the whole way through these guys were just going at it and i i really appreciate that being in a live audience yeah the only yeah. time where it, at all it felt like you know, oh, they're killing time because they're on commercial was the opening of uh, Pack, because I yes. guess that's how it said, Pack and uh, Hangman Page, because uh, Pack was doing the old Larry Zabisco stall for hours bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Take other than power. that, exactly. Other than that's that, a, though, that's the Ryan McBride move like a motherfucker. Yeah. So you're talking about an MCW state. That is... That's something that that the King Ryan McBride from MCW told me. He's like, you went instant heel heat. Everyone loves to fuck with the local sports team. This neighborhood sucks. No, 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 no. Don't wrestle. It <laughs> yeah. pisses people off so much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, let's get into the women's match. Uh, we'll skip over Pac and Page. Um, yeah. Pac, sorry. Uh, I'm, so- dude, I, I, I'm figuring it out every day, too. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. This so match it was Riho and the Native Beast Nyla Rose, Rose who – uh, two or three events ago did not impress me when mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about her until AEW. And then I'm like, all right, in Cody and them, we trust they're not going to sign a schlub. I saw her in there during some of the prior matches. 
And all I thought of was just a low rent, awesome Kong, a somehow less talented Nia Jax. Right. Then ha- then they get the Yoshis in there. Okay, the Joshi, Joshi, Yoshi. Yoshi, Yoshi. They, they Yoshi. eat enemies. Yoshi's a little back guy out. who eats names, Mario so. rides one of them. Kenny rides the other. Yes. So um, <laughs> I wasn't impressed with them either because they just seem to be as fragile as uncooked angel hair pasta. Mm-hmm. This match I was not looking forward to, and I'll be goddamned if I didn't enjoy it more than any other match on the card that night. I thought Nyla Rose looked as good as she's ever looked. I thought the match was perfectly booked as far as this little girl. I when I say little girl, I mean little girl. I got Very to see wee. her as she was walking. They actually had a group of people with her and someone else in the concourse. I walked past her uh, later that evening, and she's I'm telling you, she's as big as my 11-year-old. She's tiny. Yeah. So you think, what the fuck is this about? There's no way this could happen. But then I remember some of the favorite moments of the Ruthless Aggression era were Batista and Rey Mysterio. There's yeah. no way Rey Mysterio should be able to beat a Batista. There's no way that um, a Floyd Mayweather should be able to beat a Big Show. Yeah. But the way it was booked and the way that they just had Riho wear her down and run around and barely get caught. And when she did get caught, just get broken in fucking half and have to recover for a little bit. And then... Obviously, Nyla Rose is very full of herself. Look what I did to this little one, giving Riho time to recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I And I believe her coup de grace style moves, diving double stomps, more than I do when a baller does it to somebody or somebody else. Because if I'm Riho's size and I'm fighting someone with the grandeur and girth of a Nyla Rose, I've got to dive off the top rope and double stomp your fucking skull to kill you. Right. It's the only way I can bring you down. And she did that quite a bit. And it was... God, what a great surprise. Uh, that was that was the biggest surprise of the night was that entire match to me. Yeah. And the crowd was, that, like I said, that was the second loudest pop, I think, of the whole night when she won because, you know, they kept doing the, it was a back and forth sort of thing. You know, she would mount a comeback and then Nyla Rose would then beat her back down to mm-hmm. deflate the crowd. And we rode those waves with them and they told the story so perfectly that when she finally, you know, uh, did the cradle and, and rolled her up or whatever, got the three count and the place just lost their fucking minds. Yeah. I looked up at the screen and I saw you, Justin, high-fiving somebody. You showed up on the <laughs> broadcast really quick there was just a, a band next to me i was like yeah <laughs> just straight high five I'm like well i guess justin enjoyed it so uh i was yeah. next to the guy with the neck beard and the cargo shorts if you're looking for me in the crowd <laughs> i was next to that guy yeah yeah one, not one the, the guy to my left who yeah. had um neck beard and cargo, cargo shorts, shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the so, yes, a very surprising match i greatly enjoyed it and and good for reho and it's going to be one of those things now where instead of a Who's going to beat this person, Brock Lesnar style? How are you going to take a championship belt from a Matanza? It's going to be a, how the shit's she going to keep that thing? Yep. Riho, which is, is to me is an equally engaging story. Yeah, and, and refreshing. So I know you're short in time, so we'll just get your uh, opinions on the the main event here. A lot happened. So we had the six-man tag, the Elite against Jericho and uh, Santana and Ortiz. Uh, you know, the match starts. We get a little bit of action. Mox comes out, attacks Kenny. They go off. Uh, paradigm shift into the glass table. And then it just turns into a schmoz with uh, Guevara and Cody. Is that what he's Justin. calling it now? Is it now called the paradigm shift? I believe uh, so. in AEW it is. Uh, yeah. Okay, Japan, so it's not thirty it, D. It's the paradigm no, shift. No, in, in New Japan he's calling it the Death Rider. In right. uh, AEW it's called the paradigm shift. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, Justin, since you have to dip out in a couple minutes, what were your thoughts? Um, a great match, very, very good match. I, I, I did, I did want to see, and this is just a personal preference thing. Mm-hmm. I think I would have preferred to see the Bucks on their own and Omega on their on his own, which we will get in upcoming shows. Sure. I yeah. get that. And they're sort of establishing this group called the Elite, which at first I was a little like, meh. I felt like they should have kept them separate as separate properties. But then, because sometimes as wrestling fans, we need to let the story play out. Right. The story played out. And there is a faction now. There is a, I guess, the first official new faction in AEW. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's been given a name yet. Not yet. The, the Bubblies or whatever. <laughs> but it's going to be, you know, I'm going to keep calling them LAX, Jericho, Jack Thwagger, and Fanny <laughs> Guevara yeah, are going to be this group. And that's when it made sense, <coughs> excuse me, that there's going to be this this uh, uh, need for the elite right. to take on this other group. It can't just be the Bucks. It can't just be Omega, which also makes me want to think, will there be other members in the elite? Will they stick to the three-man crew, which the elite essentially mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. in New Japan, and just still, even as a group, have the numbers disadvantage? I liked it. They've already established that Jericho is this bit of a final boss in AEW, and if you want to get to him... You're gonna if you're a cruiserweight, okay. If you're someone high flying, fast moving, you got to get through Guevara. If you're a big, heavy duty shit kicker, you're gonna have to get through Swagger. If you want to bring a tag team in front of him, he's got LAX waiting for you. And after you've done your due diligence, you're gonna get to get uh, up against Jericho, which is what they did. I mean, they're they're basically pulling the playbook from the NWO, which mm-hmm. is a fine mm-hmm. playbook. Yeah. Which yeah. is you want to get to Hogan. You got to go through all these other MFers. I'm kind of fantasy booking here now. But that's what it seems to me. And I like it. I like that they ended with Jericho <coughs> and his crew on top. Dustin Rhodes made an appearance, which I yeah. thought was cool, which mm-hmm. is, I believe that's going to be next week's match. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be Dustin and Page. Yeah. Dustin and Hangman Page against uh, Jericho and Guevara next week in Boston. Oh. There you go. Yeah. Nice. So we've got, yeah. we got that. That's going to have some story implications. And then there will be some follow up because that is one thing. They left a, a plot thread dangling with uh, Moxley and Omega, mm-hmm. which yeah. I fully expected to have someone show up a little bit later on that night. Now, not to jump ahead a little bit too much before I jump here, um, they got a star on their hands. They got a future champion on their hands. They got a person that I think is going to be fought over. Once a contract is up mm-hmm. and that is Luchasaurus. Yeah. Luchasaurus yeah. will be an AEW world champion. If not just picked up by Vincent company one day and brought over and wooed with a ton of money, that crew, the Jurassic connection, Jurassic I'm Express. all in on jungle boy, Jurassic Express, excuse me. Yeah. I'm all in on jungle boy. I, I love jungle boy. I went back and watched some of his prior matches once he was signed to AEW because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> And I, the, the only thing I want them to dial back is is they need to take little shit and start <laughs> using him. Uh, what's his name? Johnny Bump? Uh, uh, Marco, Marco Stunt. Stunt. Marco Stunt. Okay. okay. The backflip toddler. Yeah. I want, to see, I want to see them use a dynamic that Enzo and Cass did where – or Chris, for you, my Marvel friend, where they have Colossus and Wolverine. Fastball special. There you go. I want to see Luchasaurus use him as a weapon. I want him to be a um, an El Torito of this group because he (laughs) took on SCU and was going for pins and he's going for things. And I'm like, if 
if this guy uh, Kazarian even is mildly foggy, I'm shoving this guy ten feet off my head. I'm willing okay. to suspend disbelief. This boy looks like a boy. Yes, I'm not saying yes. Riho. Like okay, Riho and and Nyla, I can kind of see how it works. This Marco stunt looks like a child. He, he does, looks yeah. like an actual child. Yeah. So yeah. make him sort of a uh, an advocate for the group, uh, uh, um, a mascot for the group. Yeah. And as they need him, literally have him go completely stiff, fall over. Luchasaurus catches him and just starts like swinging people, okay, <laughs> like the old meme. Have you ever been so mad at a motherfucker that you beat a motherfucker with another motherfucker? <laughs> Marco stunt and use him, or they use him to like stomp on people and he just remains completely stiff i think there's so much good comedy and so much entertainment there mm-hmm. but luchasaurus is a fucking spectacle hell yeah he, he is awesome in the ring he apparently is loquacious as hell he's he super has a genius degree he has a master's yeah. degree yeah yeah that is a guy that if they want to do what nwo excuse me wcw didn't do properly outside of goldberg or impact didn't do outside of maybe AJ Styles, you want to develop a talent and turn this guy into something. Luchasaurus is going to be that guy that I'll buy every goddamn thing he has. If he headlines a pay-per-view, I will go to it. I will buy that thing. I don't think yet I want him to take his time. Plus, how great is it going to be when he loses his fucking mind and kills the two kids in his faction? (laughs) It's going to build those two up as sympathetic baby faces. He's going to have a great heel run as this monstrous, nightmarish guy down the line. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of them will get their comeuppance on him. Maybe they'll just separate. He'll go on some rampaging tear. Someone's got to hit him with like a fucking blow dart to bring him down. (laughs) Someone comes down to the ring in one of those orbs from Jurassic Park because they're scared of Luchasaurus pounding on the thing. The, the the possibilities of Luchasaurus are fucking infinite on this guy. Yes. And he he is officially my favorite AEW wrestler. I love him. If I learned anything from Lucha Underground, it's that he's susceptible to beheadings. That's the only thing that's his weakness. Is <laughs> yeah, his he got his head cut off. Shout yeah. out to the Khan family for actually reattaching his head. We appreciate it. They sent him to the Mayo <laughs> Clinic. And they had his head reattached. Um, and they took a little piece of him and cloned him into Marco's stunt, which is cute. It's sort of like Alien Resurrection when they had the different Ripley's oh. floating in the tank. Oh, He's God. one of the little Luchasaurus replicants that kind of turned out okay. He's sort of like one of the little dinosaurs that'll spit acid on you and have the uh, Barbasol can get floating underneath of the mud. Yeah. Misty Nedley. But I, I, and you heard that pop, by the way. That fucking pop for him was mm-hmm. as big as Cody's pop. Oh, yeah. At the end of the night, when a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I'd say a fourth of the crowd had left. Yeah. That right. when, the, when the graphic of the cup shaking yes. hit the screen, yeah. the crowd popped so fucking hard. I love that guy. I love him. I love him. I love him. Yeah. Fantastic. I agree. You're not going to get any arguments from anything you just said from either one of us because no. we're we're 100 bought into that as well. Um, so overall, um, I know you got a dip, but overall, a very successful opening show. Mm-hmm. The ratings definitely uh, reflected that as well. Strong first week in ratings. Obviously, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, any any closing thoughts before you have to jump, my friend? Donate to their fucking Patreon or I'll burn your world to ash, cocksuckers. You might not hear me, but I'm still out there. Take out your fucking checkbook. Cocksuckers. Love you, buddy. (laughs) Love you guys. Take care. Oh, man. That's our guy. So much fun. 
so much fun. We're uh, still rolling, by the way. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. yeah, let's keep going. There's yeah. Tons, tons more to discuss. Yes. Anything else on AEW? Well, let's. All right. I wanted to talk about the the debut of Jack Hager. Um, yes. So obviously, Marty, you were there with me. Uh, we were together on on Wednesday watching this, and you saw the. The disappointment in my eyes initially yes, yes. when Jake Hager came through the crowd um, because I have a stink uh, in my mind associated with him from the last season of Lucha Underground, which yeah. he unwisely was the focal point and he beat up all my favorite Lucha Lucha guys. So, you know, yeah, for I, you, this is personal. <clears throat> It, it it is a little bit. I'm, I'm you know I'm not gonna lie. But I, I'm not judging. I'm just saying for you this is a a personal issue with a personal stake. But that was Wednesday, and as I sit right now on Saturday morning, I'm more okay with it, and that's for a number of reasons. One is because I watched it back on TV, mm-hmm. and he really came over as a a giant, b a badass motherfucker. Yeah. Um. So that's yeah. That's that, important. That, that power bomb. Uh. He's the, the one gut into the wrench power, power bomb. bomb. Yeah. The gut wrench power bomb through the wee baby Japanese table that they use <laughs> for the uh yeah the, the uh the ring bell and and holding titles and all that. Uh. That right. looked like it damn near killed Dustin. Um, yeah. Don't put the 55-year-old through that shit. Right, Jesus. exactly. Of, of all the people you had there, <laughs> that's the one you put through a table. Right. Excuse me. Uh, I think the the question mark for me relative to him, taking away his WWE run, taking away his right. Lucha Underground run, just saying how he's going to be used effectively in AEW. We've already seen how effective AEW can be with how they present talent. Um, a guy like yeah. Luchasaurus on paper is a really uh, silly gimmick, but it's worked because it's been presented with just the right air of silly meat serious. Uh, yes. A guy like Marco Stunt, uh, kind of a freak show looking wrestler, let's be honest. Yeah. But in that mix, it's worked. Uh, even people like Cody, and I know you're a big Cody, Mark. I yeah. like Cody very much. I think Cody had a period of time when he was going between New Japan, Ring of Honor. We saw how he's kind of exposed because he was trying to do work rate, and he's not necessarily a work rate guy. But here yeah. in AEW, comes off as a top star because he gets to work that middle ground of a match. The smart move with the former Jack Swagger is have him be the heater. Have him be the the diesel to yeah, Jericho Shawn Michaels. Keep his involvement limited and just make him a relentless killing machine when it when it happens. Don't let him cut a promo with his dumbass lisp. Just no. just don't just let him be a psychotic killing machine and he's golden. And that's how he was presented on Wednesday, and that's why I think it works. I think a lot of the concerns a lot of people have come from the baggage of Jack Hager or Jake Hager or whatever his yes. real name is. Uh, the, Jake Hager. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think there's a baggage there that people are going, oh, it's the We the People guy. Oh, it's the guy who killed Luch Underground. Oh, it's, you know, any number of different things. Sure. If they just, as pro, pro Wrestling 101 should be, accentuate the positives, hide the negatives, this could work. 
even yeah. if there are probably a billion and one big guys who could be used in a similar role. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he has the experience. He has, right. uh, if not named, face facial recognition right, with right. a wrestling audience, and the fact that Jericho is clearly the guy directing traffic in there. Um, you know, so that 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 helped qualm some of my some of my worries mm-hmm. as to how this was going to work out. Like you said, just have him in the enforcer role, have Jericho do all the talking, and have you know Jake Hager be one of his a number one henchmen Mm -hmm. then i'm i'm a little more okay with it plus what happened last night on smackdown with uh, another debuting mma guy which Mm -hmm. we'll get into in a minute yeah even makes me feel a little better about jay hager too um so uh we didn't talk about the other dark match that we caught which was uh, a crazy eight-man tag it was uh the lucha bros Mm-hmm. And uh, who the fuck do they tag with? Uh, they t- tag everybody. with the Hybrid Two, which is apparently oh, the right. name of Angelico and Jack Evans. Uh, they went against the team of the Best Friends and Private Party. Uh, the Best right. Friends were escorted to the ring uh, by one Orange Cassidy. So uh, yes. everybody was fucking there on on Wednesday. Not yeah. everyone was on TV, but everyone was physically there, except for that Wardlow guy, I guess. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. I even forgot he existed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was the it was the temple versus the 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 Reseda VFW Hall. Exactly. Essentially, in the dark match there, and I was happy because you know Penta and Phoenix only had a quick little tear apart um, promo against with SCU earlier in the show. So I was happy we actually got to see Phoenix and Pentagon perform, which is mm-hmm. always a delight because they're both fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and it was fun to see Orange Cassidy in person for the first time as well. Yeah, uh, Orange Cassidy, by the way, uh, I know the photo went uh, a little viral on Reddit, but if you hadn't seen it, Orange Cassidy had like a 10-year-old cosplayer in the front row, and it was fucking amazing. Uh, I I just love seeing if there's anything I could say as a positive. Yes, as Justin pointed out, uh, the Bullet Club alos were in force. Uh, It was definitely that type of crowd. The fact that I did see some kids, and the fact that I did see actually some women uh there was even that moment attractive yeah yeah there was i I thought i was in a desert oasis i'm like what the fuck is she doing here yeah exactly uh the fact that i did see some of that tells me that there is although not a significant percentage yet there is a burgeoning new audience coming into aew that you wouldn't traditionally see at, you know, if you look at the companies that these people came from, a, a New Japan, a Ring of Honor, or a PWG show. So that's that's a positive sign. Uh, but yes, that eight-man was super fun. Uh, we didn't get to talk about it. Before the show, there was what I thought was a really great match that I hope gets released somewhere. The Darby Allen shima match. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was fucking fantastic. I loved that match a lot. And I'm, I'm desperate to see it released somewhere because... I thought it was one of the best Darby Allen matches I've seen so far. Um, admittedly, my exposure to them has exposure to him has right. been massive, but I really loved that match. And uh, Darby Allen killed himself uh, as he normally does, but he killed himself on a dark match. So uh, there's yeah, that. that uh, yeah, that the, kid's got a got a. He's taken days off his life life yeah. with those uh, coffin drops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what we did not get to see, there was a uh, all-women's dark match also with, um, I believe it was B. Priestley and Penelope Ford against Britt Baker and Allie. 
Right. And then there was the SCU Jurassic Express rematch. That was the final dark <laughs> match of the night. So, yeah, everybody was there. Everybody showed up. Everybody got to have a moment in front of the live crowd, which I think is really cool that, that they did. That. Oh, and uh, weirdly enough, Janela, even though he was physically there. Uh, oh, was, that's right. We didn't see Janela yeah, at all, did we? He, he didn't do anything. So that's that's a little or Jimmy weird. Havoc. We also yeah. didn't see Jimmy Havoc. Huh. Well, and but really, you think about it, that's a good thing because yeah. two two hours a week live, you know, obviously you're gonna focus on the big storylines and you know who the most important people on the show are. Yeah. But it gives you a chance to cycle in and out some of the some of the undercard people and middle mm-hmm. card people that will, right. you know, uh, maybe have Pack versus fucking uh, Jimmy Havoc next week for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or, or Janela, there's, there's more people there than you got to see. And, you know, sure. You know, you're eventually going to run out of fresh matchups, right. but at least for now, everything's kind of fresh and new and you get, you have a lot of, there's a lot of people on my roster mm-hmm. and a lot of potential exciting things that can keep, uh, interest in the show. And if the ratings that came out on Thursday are any indication is that there was a good amount of interest in the premiere of AEW dynamite yeah. the night before on TV. TNT, they aired a preview episode that did, I think, 600-some thousand viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final ratings um, for just that night, and I don't I don't remember if the replay uh, immediately after was included in this. No, no, some... the, they were separate. So it was 1.4 million for the, uh, wow. the live airing, 650,000 for the replay. Wow. Uh, so just about 2 million viewers, which is pretty wild. What is particularly interesting you know, as an outside observer, someone who doesn't really dig too much into this, a the audience was younger than yeah. the standard WWE audience, which is a great sign for the future of professional wrestling as a whole. But yes. uh, what is particularly interesting is if you just look at the drop in a, in uh, NXT ratings, there was a drop of about two to three hundred thousand. Uh-huh. So that means there was basically 1.1 million wrestling viewers who were not around for prior Wednesday shows. Yeah. So only a small percentage of NXT viewers moved over to the, to watch the other brand. Um, and, you know, that's also not considering like standard attrition week to week because week three is probably going to dip a bit from week two and so on. Just the fact sure. that there basically are a million viewers who had never watched before and i i will say from my completely non-scientific input of things uh i went on facebook during the show and i saw people who i didn't know were ever pro wrestling fans talking about how they were watching dynamite and they were enjoying the show it's like three or four people but that says to me that at least for week one there was a, a knowledge and an interest and in, in all of that, that buzz. Yeah. There was a buzz that spoke to an audience that hadn't watched wrestling in a long time. Hadn't watched wrestling in a while. Hadn't, or hadn't to had admitted to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that's really cool to see, um, especially against what was a super stacked NXT show. Before we get into that, was there anything else you wanted to discuss re AEW? No, that we I think we pretty much hit everything. Uh, overall, it was it was uh, fun, fresh, exciting. It was uh, a joy to be there live and, and mm-hmm. experience a lot of these people for the first time, yeah. um, or uh, again on a different stage. Um, you know, and I'm, and I'm excited to see where things are going. It wasn't perfect. Uh, no, I don't think no. I expected it to be perfect. But uh, and just one more thing: looking, watching the uh, the TV 
airing of it back, the production uh, team really got their shit together because that was a problem we had with a bunch of their earlier shows is that they were missing um, missing moves and angles and you know switching uh, camera views in the truck and stuff like that. It was it was a top shelf professionally done uh, television product, and that mm-hmm. speaks volume to the work they put in behind the scenes to make that all happen. Yeah, so on the other side of things for the Wednesday Night War, NXT hit the air live two-hour show, first 30 minutes without commercials. Yeah. Uh, They hit the ground running as we had a tremendous, probably the best match between the two shows that aired on TV um, as we had Adam Cole defend the NXT title against Matt Riddle. This was a fucking great match. I I, yeah. I absolutely loved it. I know the the term takeover level basically got driven into the ground uh, both by fans and by the promotion of the show itself. But this sure. was a takeover level match. I loved this match. I mean, Matt Riddle came off like such a star. Uh, if he is not due up for the NXT title in the very near future. I think they're fucking up. I know they put two more challengers in the direction of one Adam Cole, baby. Right. But riddle super over fans. Love him. I mean, fuck like that. That guy came off like such a natural baby face, even from his intro. I, I loved the little bit. They did the, the traditional NXT title shot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. The title shot, you know, they show the guy coming in from the backstage, him giving a quick fist bump to Willie Regal was just like yeah, this yeah. little character moment that I loved. Um, but I, I thought that was great. Really the, the hindrance of NXT. It's a broken record is for as, awesome as that show was for as great moments as that show had it was in front of 400 people in a tiny room and in turn it looked massively less than AEW. it did yeah yeah i mean if you're looking at the grand picture if you take a photo of the Capone arena on wednesday and a photo of full sale and put them next to each other to people yeah. who who never watched either product and you would ask what the bigger one is obviously you know 99 of the people are going to say aew um but you know as wrestling fans it does it does it detract from from the product? I mean, you know, just looking strictly at in ring, you know, if you put the the best match of AEW, which was depending on how you feel, either the women's match or Cody and Sammy um, against Riddle and Cole, Riddle and Cole probably wins out uh, the majority of the of the poll on that one. Totally. Um. So you know, a, a huge arena doesn't uh, a good match make. However, if we're going at optics, and a lot of this here is optics, um, because you know it's a Wednesday Night War, and it's AEW and it's versus a NXT, business. and it is a visual business, and they're both on broadcast cable. So if I'm flipping back between the two with somebody who's never watched before, they're going to say, "Well, why are you flipping back to these, you know, the, these 300 person uh, arena when you got 14,000 over here?" So you know, and then the the note came out from Uncle Dave that within I think 45 minutes of uh, of NXT. Somebody within NXT texted him and said, "We got to get out of this fucking building." Um, <laughs> you know, take that how you will, uh, or or what. But you know, NXT has been really comfortable um, in full sale, and it shows. I mean, there's a level of comfort with the performers, with the uh, commentators, with the production. Everything about it is is run smoothly and and, and to a T. Um, but you know, like 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 we said, if it's going to be uh, a war situation, you want to at least have you know something on on equal footing in terms of visuals. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So post match after Adam Cole went over, uh, 
fucking Finn Balor shows up. Uh, Finn yeah. Balor with a, a weird ass new haircut, and uh, yep. at, at least from what we could see, uh, at least one new tattoo on his hand. Uh, I don't know if that means he's got a full sleeve while he was away, but okay. uh, uh, he popped up and uh, let the world know he was NXT for now. So um, yeah. they are officially moving Finn Balor over down. I don't know how you want to describe it. I mean, but, yeah. it, 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 you know, obviously they'll say over. Uh, but yeah. again, if you're looking at optics, you know, SmackDown Live was in front of a sold out Staples Center and you had 400 people at full sale for NXT. Yeah. So but apparently his uh, his he's still getting paid the same. I think yeah, is what yeah. I read. He's still getting so, main roster money. No one else him. at NXT is, but he's still getting paid main roster money. And yeah. Yeah, it looks like they they may be running, or at least it looked like they're going to be running him and Adam Cole in the not too right. distant future. Uh, they had a segment with Velveteen Dream, uh, who I don't think is entirely ready for live promos on the regular yet. Um, eh, as I mean, he, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. It just was. It felt really put on. Um, yeah. He, he, yeah, I for, feel like a pre-tape for, vignette would have done better to exactly. put it over. For as natural and smooth as his pre-tapes are, for as natural and smooth as his in-ring work is, his live promos need a little bit of work. But hey, that's what NXT is supposed to be. Uh, Velveteen Dream right. staked his claims to get a title shot back against Roddy Strong for the North American title. So I guess we'll be seeing that in the not-too-distant future. Uh, Io Shirai and Mia Yim had a fun match. Um, they, it was a really good. That was actually probably Mia Yim's best match on NXT that she's had. Yeah. Um, a lot better than her takeover match with with Shayna Baszler and uh, Io Shirai is just a fucking ten out of ten in every facet. Yes, she's she's amazing. She's fantastic. Um, the the outsiders were shown in the crowd for some reason. Um, Tegan Knox got a video package as we're going to see the shiniest wizard return to uh, NXT proper uh, now with double bionic knees. Uh, yeah. And then we had uh, Shane Thorne, who is not Mikey Nichols. Right. He went one on one with <laughs> Johnny Gargano, who appeared to have been left in a tanning bed for far too long. <laughs> he got a little crispy there. Yeah. Yeah. He was very orange on Wednesday, but uh, Shane Thorne's best match ever. I think <laughs> like, Probably, yeah. Uh, I I thought they had a shockingly good match for what felt like it was just supposed to be a throwaway match, um, you know, on on TV. Um, Some really good mat wrestling at, yeah. at the start there too. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And Thorne came off like a prick, which you know, yeah. considering I couldn't tell you anything about Shane Thorne, now I can tell you he's an asshole. So we got that. He's going Australian. Forward. Oh, yeah, that's true. I can now say two things about, sorry, three things, because he's not Mikey Nichols. And Mikey yes, Nichols is Shane Thorne. Yes. Uh, Shayna Baszler, <laughs> weirdly enough, retained the NXT women's title against Candice LeRae. One of these days she's going to lose the title. And it's going to be to someone I called weird. It, I called it. Meanwhile, we've called it every fucking title match she has, and she continues to win. But honestly, I felt like. Candice LeRae may have been the person to do it legitimately. Yeah. Uh, they you know, they she's... were putting her super over throughout yeah. the show with the video packages and such. So I I thought for sure it, it, it she was going to be the person. So now I have no idea who they're going to build for that spot. 
I, yeah, I, I, I have no, I have no fucking clue unless maybe they're saving a big return or a lateral move from the main roster for somebody. Probably not one of the the NXT horsewomen, but maybe I don't know an Ember Moon or something like that to come back down. It's possible considering but they already had. They already had. That's how long she's had the title. Yes. Ember Moon fought her for the title. Yeah, yeah, that's who point. she beat for the belt. So, and yeah. then I think Ember Moon lost to somebody on main event this week. So things yep. are going great for Ember Moon. Excellent time to be Ember Moon. Excellent, excellent time. Uh, they officially announced that Kushida and Walter and the Battle of the All Caps will oh, yeah. happen next week on NXT. <laughs> I never noticed that. You're right. Yeah. L- loser goes lowercase. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> Pete Dunne Pete Dun and Danny Burch had a really fun match. I always enjoy seeing Danny, uh, Danny Burch anywhere um me as well but it looks like uh pete dunn is now set up for a feud with baron corbin's non-union mexican equivalent as uh damian priest did the sabu gimmick of popping up when the lights went out and yeah. uh attacked pete dunn so uh that will be that a be fun match i think i think that it has potential um uh, don't Excuse you me. know? I, I was a I was a very negative person on Punishment Martinez, but from what I've seen with Damian Priest, one I dig the music, so that helps a lot. The intro with the bow and arrow and the whole Archer Infamy thing is a little weak sauce, but you know, in the ring, from what I've seen from him, I've actually been pretty impressed. So I think putting him in there with Pete Dunn is smart because Dunn is fucking great, yeah. um, and I think it's going to be a really good. So I'm probably a little more excited for it than you are. Yeah, well, I mean, so far the Damian Priest move has been what i've underlined again and again here accentuate positives hide the negatives yeah dunn's a guy who can accentuate a lot of those positives and hide a lot of those negatives so i i think it will be a good match then we had the main event which uh i gotta be honest felt long at this point in the show um i know this was when the overrun was happening and that sort of thing uh red dragon kyle o'reilly bobby fish defend the nxt tag team titles against street profits they successfully retained (laughs) them it was a fine match. Not really my favorite battle of these guys, um, but it was fine. Uh, no, it was, it was it was fine. It was fine. I will say, I think my favorite part of that match was Kyle O'Reilly. His offense is mm-hmm. just fucking great, and it's unique. Nobody else kind of does what he does between working in like the grappling and the jujitsu and stuff mm-hmm, like that with mm-hmm. the strikes. It's just it's it's crisp. It's refreshing. And it has it looks an air of violent. realism to it. Yeah, it does. I, I I love watching that kid go. Yeah, and then uh, end of the show, the Undisputed Era are celebrating having all the belts. Adam Cole is standing on the stage by himself when, yeah. holy shit, Tommaso Ciampa, Tomato Chomper, shows no up. No one will survive. Yeah. Uh, Ciampa returning lickety-split from a possible career-ending neck surgery. A very serious neck fusion surgery. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was earlier this year, right? Yeah, that was like... March, April. That's so ridiculous. A six month turnaround for such a severe uh, surgery to go back and, you know, I mean, obviously he didn't bump or anything, but you'd imagine if he came back, he's cleared to do something. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's big time. And, you know, there's there, I think they're airing a, chronicle or something like that about his road to recovery after nxt next wednesday and yes, it's indeed between that i don't know if it's just going to be a marrying of the three-part series they've been putting out on the uh the pc youtube channel or not i would imagine it would be mm-hmm. uh but they're definitely framing him back as a returning baby face which Baby-face. you know tommaso champa being one of the greatest heels of the past decade uh is interesting but still you know he's such a great performer that i'm sure he can make it work 
Yeah. So that was the Wednesday Night War. Two great shows. Hopefully this continues for both sides. I I, I really honestly want to have my, my finger at the ready to do the, the last channel button. Just flip back and forth Wednesday night, uh, this coming Wednesday. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but Friday night, last night, brought us the debut of the $1 billion bet, the... <laughs> first ever Friday night Smackdown on Fox and I will say right now because I feel like we're gonna we're gonna get into the weeds with a bit of negativity uh until the end of the show I thought it was a really good debut for Smackdown on Fox the okay. new setup is incredible looking infinitely, the stage does look great infinitely better than the Tony Hawk pro skater stage that they have on Raw Still not um, as good as the fist. True, but not you know not many things are the fist. Let's be honest. Um, well, hello there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I will say I don't know who is officially in charge of the uh, the camera cuts, but it felt like huh. they were a bit less crazy on Friday okay. night, if uh, especially during the ladder match. You know, going back, even when I was looking at at at, uh, at gifts from the show. It felt like, oh, normally there'd be like 15 cuts in this exact moment, but there's only like three. Like, it, it felt like there was a calmer hand at the wheel. Well, I feel like that's probably Fox's directive because they want the yeah. more sports-driven program. And, you know, the, the Kevin Dunn quick cuts are very uh, frenetic and entertainment mm -hmm. sort mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. um, who's uh, the guy who did the Bourne movies? Uh, Greengrass uh, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Paul that Greengrass, was? yeah. Very, very known for quick, frenetic cuts, uh, yeah. which can get tiring after uh, a bit of time. So, so yeah, that's, that's good to hear. I did not get a chance to watch because I don't have rabbit ears, digital rabbit ears from my TV. Yeah. Nor do I have a, a way to watch cable, and it's not on Hulu uh, without a Hulu Live uh, subscription as yeah. of now. As of uh, that as reminds of me, I wonder. At, I wonder if it's still going to be the one month delay on the network. I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll it have wasn't to up on the that. network this morning. I can tell you that. I'll, I'll have to keep an eye on that. But um, show kicked off with Becky Lynch. She came out. Fans went nuts. What a fucking cool thing it is. I mean, Becky Lynch. If you know her history, she almost uh -huh. left the business entirely. Yeah. Uh, if you know her her uh, issues in WWE, she was almost cut from NXT. She was definitely an also ran up until you know the man moment happened for her to be the first face on SmackDown on Fox. Uh -huh. That's pretty cool. So she comes out. Baron Corbett interrupts. He does the whole thing about he wants to be the first person on SmackDown. So, of course, you knew this was going to happen. Big Dwayne came out. Dwayne Johnson comes out, does all his uh, all his catchphrases, catch yeah. all the fun stuff, called Corbin Burger King, made fun of him for, quote, dressing like a 35-year-old virgin at Comic-Con. This is a great time to point out that I represent two-thirds of that sentence now as I've officially turned 35. That said... <laughs> I have had sex with a okay, woman. Right, I was <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, right, good save. Uh, but basically, it was a, a whole big thing where it felt like the idea was The Rock putting over Becky, which right. I, I think is pretty cool. And also, yeah. Corbin got buried like Billy Gunn back in the day. Uh, it oh. was it was not a good time to be Baron Corbin. Um, he was the second face out on uh, on on SmackDown on Fox, so he's got that, and he's King of the Ring, so he's he's he's. You know, 
Could be worse. Uh, so it we could have... be Rusev, who was sitting at home uh, playing video games while his wife was walking the blue carpet with Bobby Lashley. That's so, true. That's true. There you go. Amazingly, no cuck angles on SmackDown oh, this week. This yeah. week. It's week one. Uh, yeah. First match of the show was uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair against Bailey and Sasha Banks. Again, what a weird, wacky world we live in where the first match is actually all women. Uh, yeah. Decent, fine match. It's more about building to their respective singles matches as we've officially added Bailey and Charlotte Flair to the uh, Hell in the Cell card. I know typically this is where I'd say, hey, we're going to do our Hell in the Cell predictions for Patreon, <laughs> but they've announced four matches so we can't even talk about the entire card yet so uh yeah. sorry i'm okay guys. with it i'm um, okay with that who took the who took the fall on that one or was it a uh dusty finish uh flair did a figure eight on bailey okay so i guess that's what led to the title match being announced for hell in the cell okay all exactly. right exactly uh, weirdly enough, we had Seth Rollins against Shinsuke Nakamura in a battle of the Universal and Intercontinental Champions. This yeah. was more just an angle builder as uh, the Fiend showed up and attacked Rollins and threw him, you know, the foot and a half off the stage. It, w- it was not a very tall stage, so it really wasn't yeah. super exciting. Um, Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon had a loser is fired ladder match. Uh, Owens, I got to say, that beard's starting to gain a life of its own. <laughs> Are we approaching Daniel Bryan territory? Uh, it 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 is. Well, it's looking a lot more haggard than the Daniel Bryan beard. He's he's definitely looking a little grumpy and homeless at this point. Uh, it, you know, everybody's facial hair grows differently. Like when I had my epic beard, it was like yeah. a fucking mess. It was all yeah. over the place, and I even like put the shampoo in it, and I tried mm-hmm. to brush it, and I tried to take care of it. It's just like there, it was just like overgrown pubes on my chin. Um, so, you know, everybody can't have a yeah. great perfect beard like Daniel Bryan had, or even Eric Rowan. That's true. That's true. Uh, Owens went over. Shane McMahon is officially quote-unquote fired. The one thing I wanted to point out, though, was the absolutely cringe-inducing moment <laughs> where... Michael Cole called that vintage move. He calls the coast to coast. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you had hoped that a change of scenery would improve Michael Cole. No, no, if anything, it's going to be ratchet up more because it's on, uh, it's on broadcast. Did we get a boss time? Oh, we did get a boss time and we definitely got an, Oh my, Um, uh, was it a capacity crowd? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, okay. We had an eight-man tag with Braun Strowman, Miz, and Heavy Machinery against AJ Styles, Randall Orton, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Rude, Randy Orton not getting into any trouble uh, for jumping on Twitch on Thursday night, saying the N-word, and also praising AEW. That's a real thing. Look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This is really more just to build to a confusing angle uh, where uh, Braun Strowman got into the face of undefeated heavyweight boxer Tyson Fury as right who is somebody I had to google because I had no idea who the hell he was um so I guess this is a this has to be a Fox thing yeah even though the response is going to be on raw okay that's an odd choice yeah they've announced Monday for raw that Tyson Fury will be given a live mic so that's something uh, especially if you problematic again, if you google tyson fury hell just go to his wikipedia page there's an entire section called controversies yeah. uh just go there enjoy have a great time so yeah He's got uh, some very hot white 
hot takes, yes. if you will. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but hey, the, the crowd was super into the angle, so there's that. Uh, and Braun Strowman, who recently signed a hefty new deal. Uh, yeah, 1.2? Is that what I read? Yeah, 1.2 a year. Nice. Nice to be Braun Strowman. Uh, you know what? If I'm Braun Strowman, if I'm getting paid $1.2 million a year, I don't yeah. care losing every fucking big match. Yeah, exactly. Fuck yeah. Give, give yeah. me that 1.2 mil. Um, yeah. Uh, honestly, if anything, this kind of made me think of the uh, the big show Floyd Mayweather angle just because sure. it's a known boxer against the guy who they can't decide if his heel or face. He's just big. Therefore, that's his constant alignment. Big. Pretty much. Although Tyson Fury is no Floyd Mayweather. No, he's in, a very in, large in, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, it would it'll be interesting. I don't know if this is another thing for uh, Blood Money 4 uh, or yeah. is it 4 or 5? Uh, I forgot how many Blood knows. Monies there's been. I think this is the second year, right? So this will be the fourth. Yes, I believe um, you're correct. So, so, yeah, who knows where it's going to be or, or what. Definitely not a hell in the cell. That no, we know. no. Uh, uh, Actually, who knows? At this point, could be at Hell in Cell. Anything can happen at Hell in Cell. Uh, we might be on the show. We don't know yet. Um, <laughs> Roman Reigns had a lumberjack match. I didn't know it was going to be a lumberjack match against Eric no. Rowan. Uh, Reigns went over. Lumberjacks were basically a way to get everyone else on the show. Daniel Bryan was on commentary. This was more an angle match to build to what I assume is going to be Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns against Rowan and Harper. Is that going to be at Hell in a Cell? Is that yes. going to be at Survivor Series? That's confirmed for oh, Hell in a Cell. It is confirmed for Hell in a Cell. Okay, well, there yes. we go. So that that that's another match in the mix there. Uh, it was fine. Floor. It was fine. Uh, and then this is where, for the average fan, the show went to absolute shit. And okay. uh, I'm not saying I disagree. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. This went literally 10 seconds uh-huh. Kofi charged Lesnar Lesnar picks him up hits F5 that's it mm-hmm. Kofi received a longer match when he was a heel and they were in Japan mm-hmm. four years ago yeah that because that was fresh after um, Suplex City debuted beating yeah. John Cena so it was just a lot of Germans uh, a lot of Germans in Japan uh, yes. it was the axis of evil uh, yes. live yes. at beast in the east uh, yeah. but this this was uh, you know and this was the match didn't start till what 950 yeah um, so and you had to have enough time for the post-match angle yeah so i i don't know but if you this did was not need time you did not need time for 205 live because they announced the show and canceled it over the course of a day yeah that's true that's not a good look no um and apparently the people uh, at the staples center the wrestling fans uh who had been following the product were a little disappointed that the show just abruptly ended at 10 and they didn't get any dark match they didn't get any 205 or anything yeah um so sorry about your damn luck la um yeah okay, very so weird. so brock so brock squashes kofi wins the wwe championship which let's be honest was always going to be the outcome right um they did Kofi dirty, but you know, yeah, the, the it, it is what not, it is. The issue is not the outcome. The issue is the execution. As well, well so I would argue things, the issue is also kind of the outcome, but we'll, 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 we'll get into what happens first. So I'm just saying, as with so many things, WWE related, it's not about the goal. It's about how you got there. Mm-hmm. If they had Kofi have a flurry, have a moment of hope 
and then get yeah. killed. That's infinitely different than literally treating him like garbage. Like it was a flawless. It was a flawless victory. Yeah, like Kofi looked like an absolute chump. Can I say that Kofi's uh, title reign set the world on fire? No, I can't. Can I say that Kofi's uh, going to go down as an all-time great champion? No. Can I say that he had the WrestleMania moment this year and deserved better? Absolutely. Yeah. But let's be honest. I'm sure what Fox wanted, especially because they weren't going to get Ronda Rousey, was they wanted a name on the top of the show. And there is, for better or for worse, no bigger name in the company right now. And you can argue why, but there's no bigger name in the company right now than Brock Lesnar. So I get it. I get it. You're making the billion dollar bet work out. But to have him be the top name on the show is one thing. Pro wrestling, at least recently, does not necessarily mean that your champion is the biggest person in the industry right. or on the show. Right. So you can have Brock Lesnar on SmackDown. That's great. Pay him out the ass. You got a billion dollars coming in from, from Fox. Yeah. But do you, does the WWE championship need to be around his waist and need to be involved in this angle going forward? I would argue no. I, I agree with you on that. It does not need to be. But it's the direction we're heading in, and we're heading in a very dangerous direction, at least as of 12.40 p.m. on Saturday, as far as we, you know, those connected to the Internet, the IWC folks know. Uh, so the big angle of the night was the surprise debut in or WWE appearance. or appearance <laughs> of Kane Velasquez. Former UFC heavyweight champion, former guy who beat Brock Lesnar in UFC. Right. Uh, basically, once uh, once Brock won the belt, Rey Mysterio's music hits. Mysterio, with his arm all taped up, comes out, and he has Kane with him. And Kane goes straight for Brock. Kane, who looked like he was having some serious trouble moving around, was wearing yeah. a knee brace. Uh, he comes out. They... they play it off like it's this big thing and basically for better or for worse said that yes these former ufc people are better than everyone else in this entire company yeah so that's a problem the bigger problem is kane velasquez is not signed by wwe yet they Which is made insane the agreement for this appearance and mm -hmm. this appearance alone this is shades of the fucking uh, TNA angle where Jarrett hit Hogan with a guitar backstage at the Tokyo Dome in New Japan for a match. That never happened. Yeah. You are playing with fire. You are laying down the train track while the train is moving. Do I think the odds are good that they will get Kane Velasquez? Absolutely. Apparently, they're trying to book this match for the Blood Money show, so I'm sure they could pay him out the nose. But what I know is... He's not the or, or WWE is not the only suitor for him. No. New Japan wants him. W, or AEW wants him. He's been working with AAA. Exactly. Or CMLL. Uh, AAA. AAA. Because he was part of the uh, MSG uh, show. MSG and show. Yeah. the belief is all of this is why the Los Angeles AAA show got canceled this week. Uh -huh. um, nevertheless... You are playing with an active flame. <laughs> like you yeah. are you are just tempting fate right now. 
and I'm sure that there's insurances and agreements and handshakes and all these things, but until pen hits paper, none of it fucking matters. There's a chance Wednesday night we'll be hearing the phrase, what's Cain Velasquez doing in the dynamite zone? Exactly. <laughs> it could happen. Because yeah. what Velasquez wants to do versus what WWE wants him to do are apparently two very different things. You know why Velasquez worked a weird luchador mask, or worked a match in a luchador mask and worked a luchador mask? Because he loves Lucha Libre. And he wants to do weird shit like that. Yeah. Him getting into pro wrestling isn't about getting paid well. Him getting into pro wrestling isn't about having like the superstar marquee bout. It's him, for better or for worse, doing pro wrestling fantasy camp. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So if you think he's going to put on an El Toro mask and jump into the ring with Brock Lesnar in front of Saudi Arabia, you got another thing coming, man. Like, that's not that's not how it's going to work. Yeah, it's very, very interesting uh, that that he showed up looking the way he did and and moving the way he did and with uh, all this fanfare and everything like that for something that's not assured to happen. Um, And, you know, to circle back to to earlier in the program, if I'm comparing the end-of-show debuts between Dynamite and SmackDown of Jake Hager, who is, what, I think 2-0 in Bellator? Something Um, like that, yeah. So, you know, not clearly not of an MMA um, uh, legacy that a Cain Velasquez is, but in terms of the pro wrestling angle to it, I think, and you know, sure, give me shit for it. I think the Jake Hager in retrospect debut was better for AEW than the Cain Velasquez is uh, one is for, for SmackDown. If only because one of those people is signed to a contract. I like, and it feels like such a simplistic, obvious thing. Sign yeah. a guy to a deal. Look, if by Monday they've reached terms and I'm wrong, that's cool. I'm fine with it. But right now, whew, this is this is dangerous. That like, it's, yeah, it's fly by the seat of the pants, and that's not something that I would imagine Fox and Vince are happy with. Right. Uh, I'm sure you know talks and negotiations are are back underway this morning if they haven't already been reached. But uh, there's gonna there's gonna have to be some kind of uh, legality dumped into this to make it make it uh, an assurance that things are gonna happen. And you know what. It's not going to make me watch Blood Money uh, show uh, just out of principle. Um, But, you know, if, say, this moves on to like a Survivor Series, just Mm -hmm. spitballing here, and we get, you know, Velazquez versus Lesnar at Survivor Series – I, I how is it going to be presented? Is it going to be presented as a pro wrestling match, or is it going to be presented as you know would would they would they ever do the thing where they take the uh, the ropes down and do a blood sport type uh, no right, rope right. break match sort of thing to to headline the show? I don't see that happening. That would pique my interest a little bit. Well, I I think I know the solution here. What they got to okay. do is Friday night on Friday Night SmackDown have yeah. Brock Lesnar kick off the show. Then, for the first time in easily 10 years, Sable's music hits. She comes out. And then here comes Cain Velasquez, all wrapped up in his knee braces everything. And they just passionately make out for the two-hour show. Because if Wait, there's... Who, which two? Which two make out? All three of them? <laughs> all three of them. Fuck it. All three of them do it. Because if there's anything that is clearly going to get fans' asses and seats in WWE 2019, it is another cuck angle. I think it's the way to go. Cuck down live. Let's make this shit happen. <laughs> 
Cuck Velasquez. <laughs> oh, wrestling is so great and so terrible. I love it. And hate uh, it. Yeah, I'm tired of talking about it. <laughs> the Roughhouse Podcast is a weekly podcast. Follow us at Roughhouse SGW on Twitter and Facebook.com slash The Roughhouse Podcast. Become a donor to The Rough House at patreon.com slash The Rough House Podcast. And check out our videos at youtube.com backslash channel backslash capital U-C-E-G-J-2-1-N, lowercase w, capital G, lowercase k, capital P, M, lowercase l, capital D, N, 7, lowercase c, 3, lowercase r, lowercase f, U, V, Q. This is the, the Rough, House, Rough Pod- House uh podcast with Justin and Christoph. That's it. Fuck Christoph. He's terrible with his information. Okay. Hey, this is The Rock. Shut your mouth, jabronis, and listen up, because this is the Rough House podcast with Justin and my least favorite man on the planet, Christoph. And Marty? The preceding presentation was brought to you by the Realm Network. Where does your mind go when you go to bed? Well, if you're like a lot of people, it doesn't go to sleep. It replays Raw, it looks at what might happen at the next pay-per-view, and sometimes it gets tangled up in lists of wrestling power rankings, botched moves, and replays of the Rough House podcast. If this describes your nights, ask your doctor about Curtis Axel. It can give you and your restless mind the sleep you need. Curtis Axel makes Lunesta look like crystal meth. Curtis Axel works quickly, so watch him right before bed. Make sure you can dedicate eight or more hours of sleep before watching Curtis Axel. Side effects include an odd yellow hue to your skin, an extreme lack of microphone skills, weak-ass chest chops, shitty remixed entrance music, an irrelevant intercontinental championship run, and unending comparisons to your legendary father and grandfather. Until you know how your body will react to Curtis Axel, you should not drive or operate machinery. And don't leave pets in your car on a hot day. This has nothing to do with Curtis Axel. That's just a dick move. Curtis Axel is the opposite of espresso. Consult your doctor or Paul Heyman now to learn about Curtis Axel. For the perfect night's sleep, leave it to Curtis Axel.